much for joining us for this latest episode of The Alternate. I'm your host, Nate Schaus, and it is my pleasure to introduce our guest tonight. Uh, this is a, uh, a repeat offender. We've got uh, David Price from uh, Moorhead City, North Carolina, who's uh, back at it again. Uh, just uh, didn't get enough the first time, apparently. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're, we're super excited to, uh, to have him tonight with us. So, uh, David, thanks for coming back, man. Hey, Nate, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I had a, had a blast last time, and um, I just um, always surprised when folks invite me back to do anything. I, I always figure that they're just giving me a chance to get more practice because I really need it. <laughs> no, no. In this case, I'm really excited to, to have you back. I've loved loved your the first episode. I'm actually really glad that you were uh, my guest for the first episode because I think that's the one that has the most listens to right now. And uh, in fact, I actually got a, a friend of mine from uh, Temple Terrace, Florida, I was talking to today, and, and that was the, the episode that he listened to, and he's looking forward to more of them. So uh, cool. you definitely got us off on the right track, man. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, hey, well, I appreciate you doing it, Nate. I've, I've told you before that you, you've you got a perspective and a heart that needs that we need to be hearing what you have to say. So thank you for taking the time and trouble to do it. I know how it is to put something like this out, and it's not easy. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Well, I am super excited to uh, to start what we're uh, going to be talking about tonight, and uh, we've got at least another episode lined up for it as well, too. But I'll I'll take uh, the cue from you, David, as far as you know how <laughs> how much and how far you want to go. But I am really excited to talk to you about the topic of angels. And Nate, I'm excited about it too, um, and for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's you know. Uh, it's kind of, a, there's mystery about it. There's intrigue about it. There's, it's, it's all inspiring. Um, you know, to be a little bit honest with you, if I can, I mean, I grew up like you did with science fiction and it, you know, it's almost a little bit of that kind of otherworldly being sort of thing. And, um, but there's so much practical truth. Uh, and you know, you know, Nate, one thing that I was thinking as I was preparing, uh, for us to talk about this over the last few days, um, is what does all of this have to do with us? And I, I really, I'm going to keep that kind of in the forefront of my mind because I think it's easy to let the discussion of angels or a study of angels just kind of be abstract or be interesting or be, um, you know, we learn the knowledge. But I think we always have to come back to what does this have to do with me? You know, why does the Bible say what it says about angels and there's a lot there nate i'm sure you've you've been looking ahead as well and you know yeah. that there's a tremendous amount said about angels well the bible has to be selective in what it says so when it says a lot about something it must be important and it must be relevant so i'm going to try to keep in the forefront of my mind what does all this have to do with me Absolutely. Absolutely. And, ho and hopefully in this discussion, as we're studying this, this will also help us kind of understand our role, not just with them and relationship with them and with God, but also in a way what we are doing. Because if I, if I remember correctly from previous studies, the word angel um, is really defined as, as the word messenger. And, you know, in ways we are angels in the sense that we are carrying the message of God, which is the gospel out into the world. That's a really good point. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's a little uncertain 
as to uh, which how it ought to be translated. For instance, some people think in Revelation 2 and 3 that the angels of the churches were human messengers. And I, I don't know, I'm still kind of up in the air about that, no pun intended, uh, up in the <laughs> air about that myself. But um, yeah, it does mean messenger. And I think that's a really good point, Nate, that you know we can ask ourselves, how do these messengers of God behave? What's their purpose? What's their relationship with God? What's their relationship to the message? What's their relationship to the audience? And what does that say with us? I think that's just a tremendous point. Mm, excellent, excellent. Now, um, if uh, if I um, understood correctly, I think you wanted to start out our conversation by talking about what angels are. Is that is that correct? Well, I think we should, Nate. And you know, I, I think that you and I have discussed this. I know I discussed it quite a bit on my my almost daily Bible study, um, mm -hmm. but. I think that we need to, to back up as far as we can and get as much Bible knowledge as we can about angels. The, the thing that I want to do, Nate, and I know the thing that you want to do in this and any discussion is just simply stick to what the Bible says. Um, that's especially true with a subject like angels, Nate, because if we don't if we don't get our information from the Bible, where are we going to get it? I mean, you know, touched by an angel, highway to heaven, uh, you know, where are we going to get it? Um, and that's part of the problem is the depiction of angels in in um, in social in uh, pop culture and in society. Um, the depiction of angels is always off base. It's just never biblically accurate, um, and uh, the emphasis on angels that it seems to have waned a bit from what I can tell. But I know that when I was a younger man, if you go into any bookstore, there were whole bookshelves on angels, calendars with angels, uh, necklaces with angels, bracelets with angels. And Nate, I just feel like that that's, that's a misguided emphasis. Um, I, I feel like that that angels would constantly be saying, don't pay attention to me, pay attention to the God that we're all supposed to be serving. So I'm really excited about getting a chance to just get very basic and very biblical about the subject of angels. Right, right. And one thing that that I kind of wanted to, to help as far as establishing their maybe not their origin, but just what they are. One thing I kind of wanted to lay out at the beginning is we are not angels and they are not us. Mm -hmm. And we do not turn yeah. into angels when we pass from this life into the next. I feel like some people may think that that's one of the things that God does to us miraculously is transform us into angels. And in a way, almost kind of transcendentalism, send us back to earth with a completely different identity and mission and, you know, bestowed with power and nowhere in scripture does that suggest that at all. It doesn't. And I, and I had that down as a, a talking point as well, Nate, and we hear it, we hear people say it, you know, I've heard people say, especially to a child when somebody dies and, and they're trying to make the child feel better. And they'll say something like, well, God needed another angel. Uh, well, that kind of falls flat in several ways. I mean, you know, I think if I were a child, I would think to myself, the Bible says that God has countless angels. Why did he need my grandfather to make another one? 
Uh, you know, that's just not a very biblical thing to say. It's not a helpful thing to say. But you're right. People have this idea that we become angels. You know, some religions, Nate, have this idea that we can progress and actually become gods. Um, and so <clears throat> the Bible teaches that there are three kinds of personal beings. And, and one thing I want to get into in a moment is the idea of what it means to be personal. But the Bible says that there are three kinds of personal beings. Uh, there's God, who is a person, or three persons, really. There are angels, who are persons. And there are human beings, who are persons. The identities of those three are immutable. In other words, none of them can become any of the others. Um, we don't become angels when we die. Um, angels don't become God. Uh, we have this, uh, and I think, I'm not sure if I have it down, but I know we'll get into it at some point, this idea that uh, in Genesis chapter 6, that angels took human form and cohabited with women and had babies. I think that's inconsistent with other scripture. And so right. the, these beings are, are immutable. They're, they're not changeable. Now, of course, we understand that Jesus, who is God, became a man, but he was God-man. He wasn't, he didn't. Uh, devolve into only a man. His nature didn't change, but he became God-man. So I think you make an excellent point that really needs to be emphasized. At no point is it possible for humans to become angels and fly around heaven playing harp or be sent back to the earth to take care of their loved ones. I think that's a great point. Right. And nowhere else do we see, you know, sorry, all you Nicolas Cage fans, but nowhere do we see <laughs> angels being turned into humans <laughs> and being sent to Earth. <laughs> right. And so we do have, you know, we, we do have angels uh, who can take human form, apparently, in Genesis 18. And in other places, we have mm -hmm. angels that take human form so that they could appear to people. But you're right. The idea that they actually become human or, you know, God somehow makes them human to, you know, I, I don't know, kind of a kind of a clearance, earn their wings moment or something. Um, it just, it's just not biblical. Right. Right. Well, and to me, um, and again, I don't want to sidestep the main part of the story, but to me, ideas of that really, to me, it makes it feel like we're kind of cutting the, the legs out from Jesus, because why would we need anyone else from heaven to come down and kind of be our, our best friend and saddle up next to us and say, hey, let me tell you about what, what God is like. Let me tell you about what heaven is like. This is why you need to, to be on your best behavior. When we've got the perfect high priest and the perfect mediator and the one who can sympathize with us because he's been tempted in every way. As we have. Well, and, and not to mention, uh, in addition to that, you know, what Romans 8 says, what Acts 2.38 says about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I know that there are different ways that, that people understand that. But I, I think we all agree that the Holy Spirit, when we become a Christian, enters into our lives uh, and becomes a, a help to us, however we understand that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's another example of what you're saying as well. Great, great. Well, I did have a, a few things written down, and so hopefully they'll kind of coincide with what you've got written down as well, too, David. But um, I guess the, the first thing I kind of wanted to explore with you is, is just the idea of why. Why are there angels? Um, and why, why does God have them? Uh, I mean, it's not necessary. Uh, God in his um, omnipresence and omniscience 
uh, doesn't need to necessarily have to have a, a group of minions, uh, pardon the <laughs> expression, but to go and to do his work. <laughs> so we have all kinds of entertainment references going tonight. <laughs> It, 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 we it's really do. A movie yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. I, I would like too. That. We need to do that sometime. Um, so, well, one, one a we couple of things I would say, Nate, um, that I wanted to mention before we got into kind of some some uh, more specific issues. I wanted to take just a minute, if I could, sure. and talk about um, kind of some very basic. Um, uh, ideas about what angels actually are. Um, and so as I, as I think about angels, um, I think about the fact that if, if I have to, for myself to boil it down to the necessities, what is an angel? I would say that, uh, and for those who may be taking notes or something, I'll say this a couple of times. It's a little bit lengthy, but I believe that angels are personal, non-divine, non-eternal, created spirit beings. Uh, some of that kind of is redundant, but let me say that again, that angels are personal, non-divine, non-eternal created beings. Um, and so we know that they are created beings. A couple of ways we come to that conclusion. First of all, we know that they're not God because the, we're, we're forbidden to worship them. And so because we can't worship them, they necessarily are not God. Um, and so that's Revelation 19.10 uh, and, and Revelation 22, as you know. So they're not eternal. They're not divine. So they must be created. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 6 talks about the creation of angels. Um, we know that they are spirit beings because the passage is like, Hebrews 1.14, they're all ministering spirits sent out to render service to the sake of the elect. But as I mentioned, they can take human form, or at least they have in the past, in places like Genesis 18. Um, now, I want to talk for just a second about what it means for angels to be personal. Uh, because most of the time, Nate, and I know that you know this, but when we think about a person, we think about a human. And person and human are not synonymous. God is a person, but he's not a human. Um, and angels are persons, but they are not human. When we talk about someone who's personal, we mean that they have their own personality. They have a mind. They have intelligence and knowledge. They're rational beings that have emotion and will. And when we read about angels in the Bible, we see that all of these things are the case. Um, we see that angels have the ability to make moral choices, that angels have the ability to remain faithful to God, but they also have the ability to choose to depart from God and to fall away. Um, and I'm hoping at some point, uh, probably not tonight, but later in the discussion, we'll have a chance to talk about uh, fallen angels, demons, and Satan, and that sort of thing. Um, but one of the interesting things, I think, Nate, and it's, it's a little vague, but I think it's the point of Hebrews 2, 14 to 16, is that although angels, like people, can fall away, 
angels cannot be saved and restored to faithfulness. Um, in Hebrews 2, in that context of God saving mankind, um, he talks about the fact that God does not give help to angels, but he does give help to the children of Abraham. And it's in the context of salvation. So while it appears that angels can fall away, apparently they cannot be restored like we can. They don't have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. Um, so Nate, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm sure that you've seen that at some point. I have, yeah. And and again, it's, it's one of those things that, that I do find fascinating um, as far as, as why, why it is that Jesus is is our intercessor and our mediator but not uh for the angels i know that that some commentaries uh will say that you know they'll, they'll liken the the commander of the hosts of of heaven to jesus and then that that he is the the uh, the head of all of the angels the uh the general so to speak of the army but at the same time that that role that we most closely associate to jesus of being the the bridge between us and God, um, of repairing that that rip that we had caused back in Genesis three, that is Jesus. And like you said, he he doesn't do that for angels. And Scripture really doesn't say a lot about why that is. But one thing I do know that Scripture says um, that we don't have is that they look on the actual face of God. They're able to right. see Him in all of His glory. And so it could be that. If you're able to be in his presence, to be able to literally hear his voice and to directly receive a command from him, and that doesn't do it for you, then there's nothing that could. Uh, but again, that's kind of, right. you know, right. <laughs> trying to fill in a, a blank that, that we don't necessarily have an answer for. But again, um, just like you said at the beginning of this conversation, a lot of this is trying to help us understand who they are and why they do what they do and what they do. And God just didn't see fit really to reveal to us why. They and there's a lot, a, a lot when it comes to angels, you know, there's a lot of that sort of kind of gap in our knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and if he didn't reveal it, of course, we, we believe that we don't, don't need it. The Bible's not given to satisfy curiosity, certainly. Yeah. Um, and then the only thing, other thing I would say about just a really basic point is that the, the job of the angels is, to serve God and man, Psalm 103 and verse 20 uh, talks about the angels doing the will of God. Uh, we see the angels worshiping God, of course, in Isaiah 6 uh, and in the book of Revelation. Um, but they're also their job is also to serve man, as I mentioned, Hebrews 114, uh, being sent out to serve uh, mm -hmm. Christians. And so uh, they're servants. I mean, that's what angels do. And again, that's why we have, I think, this. This kind of this disconnect with the attention and the reverence and the adoration that so many people give to angels. But biblically, Nate, it just seems to me to be out of place. Would you agree with that? I would. I would. Um, maybe as a crude analogy, um, if I'm trying to make a little bit more sense about this, but it's almost in a way um, someone at a restaurant who's uh, praising the waiter or waitress for yeah. what the cook did. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good good way to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they didn't right. actually do do anything right. as far as preparing the meal, putting it all together. They really just took the dish from the cook to the one who's receiving it. Um, yeah, 
and and that that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're kind of doing. So, um, in a way, I guess then God with with angels having Himself surrounded by these ministers, these messengers, these servants that that do His commands for the benefit of mankind. Is that a an analogy of of us as individual Christians and of the church? Um, you know, does God demonstrate our necessity? for his plan of salvation, much in the same way that he's kind of comparing that with the angels that he has, who he has sent on missions with tasks to accomplish. And that when they do that, it gives glory to God because they're accomplishing his will. Is that kind of a, a parallel? You yeah, think I think we might that's be a really good point. Um, and it gets back to kind of what we said at the very beginning is we, we constantly have to ask ourselves, what, what's the point here? What, what do I need to be getting out of that? And I think that's a fantastic point to look at the angels uh, and to see um, how they serve God, you know, uh, uh, Jesus said that we need to be praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the indication is that in heaven, the will of God is done at, at least to a very high level. Uh, and, and that needs to be the case with us as well. Um, and, you know, you got the flip side of that, Nate, when angels fell. Uh, Peter um, and maybe Jude as well. I, I know Peter does, and I think Jude does as well, uses the fall and condemnation of angels as a lesson in our own punishment if we are unfaithful to God. So I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn in. That's a very good point. Mm, excellent. Excellent. Yes. And and they are. They, they are created. Um, they did not exist with God. From the beginning, at some point, God spoke them into existence, um, and I'm glad that you you pointed out the passage in in Nehemiah. I know earlier today I was I was talking to you about you know one of my favorite verses right. in Job, um, mm-hmm. there in uh, Job 38, when God is is kind of leveling questions to Job and saying, you know, well, right. big man, tell me uh, right. Right. <laughs> tell me where you were, <laughs> and. In, uh, Chapter 38 and verse 7, he says, you know, he's talking, he's asking him, where, where were you when I was laying the foundations of the earth, when I was stretching it out, and its line and its bases were sunk in verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So there were spiritual beings in the presence of God who witnessed when God was creating our world and our universe who cried out in joy because of all of the goodness and the beauty. Which again, Nate, is an example for us. I mean, you know, we are supposed to worship God uh, and to do the crying out and the praising. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And that kind of brings us to what, what you were mentioning a, a while ago, and that is the creation of angels. Again, I think it's very important to emphasize that angels are created beings. If they were not created beings, they would necessarily have to be divine. They would have to be God or, you know, little right. G gods, I guess um, they would have to be. But they're not. They were created mm-hmm. beings. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about Scripture, and I think that there's there, there are very good reasons for this. To my knowledge, Nate, there is no passage in the Bible that describes the creation of angels, nor is there a passage in the Bible. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people will be surprised by this. Uh, and may may disagree with it until they look carefully at it. There's no passage in the Bible that describes the creation of the angels, good or bad, or how the angels became evil and why they did that. 
very often we'll see mm. passages, and again, I really hope to right. get a chance to talk about this at length later on. Uh, but we, we see people use passages like Isaiah and Ezekiel, Luke 10, Revelation 12, um, to describe where Satan and the demons came from. And when we look carefully at those passages, we see that none of those passages are talking about, some of them aren't even talking about Satan, uh, and none of them are talking about right. the beginning uh, or whatever time Satan became evil. They're just not talking about that. There is no uh, passage that describes the creation of angels or Satan or demons. Um, so I think a valid question would be, well, how come? Why wouldn't God give some description of the creation of angels? And I suspect that the reason might be that uh, if we did have such passages, it would it would cause us to want to give them even more undue attention than we already do. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that God knows human nature yeah. pretty well, having been the creator of it. Um, and I think that God knows the kinds of things that were best left out of Scripture. You know, things like, you know, what did Jesus look like? You know, what happened to the cross? Where's the ark? We don't need to know that kind of stuff because then we end up doing what the Israelites did with the brass serpent. We end up worshiping something that God was using as a tool to get something done. Right. Right. And, and again, it just in the things that you have mentioned, we have certain passages that give us just enough to know, you know, just enough to believe, but we'll still take that. And, you know, just as Paul warns, you know, we'll speculate and we'll spin on that and we'll come up with these, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, trying to talk until we're blue in the face, trying to figure out all of these things, which like you said, God in his infinite wisdom decided not to share those things with us. And so we have to trust that it, it, it doesn't pertain to our life here on earth or to our yeah. eternal life with him in heaven. Yeah. And I, so I, I constantly go back to the army 29, 29, <laughs> that the, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us mm. and our children. If it's not in there, it, there's a reason if it is in there, you know, it's, I think Mark Twain said, uh, or it's like everything else, it's credited to Twain. I don't know that he said it, uh, but somebody said that um, that <laughs> a lot of people are troubled by the things in the Bible they don't understand. I find that I'm troubled most by the things I do understand, and I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of value uh, in that. Um, it's a lot more interesting to speculate on, um, you know what the locusts are in revelation is it you know russian you know missiles is it chinese you know drones or is it real locusts it's a lot more fun to speculate on things like that than it is to read the sermon on the mount and be convicted that i'm not poor in spirit and i need to fix that oh yeah, because that's turning the dial back on me and actually putting me exactly. under the uh, exactly. I've got work to do. It's just, it's just not as <laughs> much fun. So, um, so you know, so the, you know, did God create angels? Right. We know that He did because of things that the Bible says. Uh, when did He create yes. them? 
we don't know, except Nate, as you pointed out in Job 38, that angels apparently already existed um, when God created the world. Now, one thing Nate, that you, you brought up there that I wanted to mention as well is that phrase sons of God. Um, mm-hmm. We always need to be really aware of context, yes. as you know. Um, and one of the, the uh, one of the ways we see that is in this Bible phrase, son or sons of God. It seems to me that there's at least three ways that that term is used. Um, it's used for angels, apparently, in, in Job 38. It's used of Christians. We are children of God. Um, and son of God is used of Jesus. And so um, it's important to be aware of the context and of exactly who is being spoken of. You know, some religions believe that Jesus is only an angel. He's not God. He's merely an angel. Um, and so sometimes, you know, we might get confused right. about that phrase, but it's important to notice that there are three different meanings to sons or son of God. Really interesting not to get off on a tangent any more than I already have. But um, but there's a really interesting passage in, in John <laughs> where Jesus says, stop clinging to me. I have yet to ascend to my father and your father. Um and I do too. And so, you know, Jesus is pointing that. out there that <laughs> even though, you know, to believers, even though you're a child of God and Jesus says, I'm a child of God, we're not a child of God in the same way. Jesus is a child of God in only the way that no. he can be. Uh, and so it's important to keep kind of that phraseology yes. straight, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and to get back and again, I don't want to chase too much of this on our first episode, but getting back to the uh, the passage that you were talking about in Genesis with the uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men. To me, it's it's interesting that some people would speculate that, you know, could that be angels and, you know, did they actually end up having offspring with women? But the idea of that would then suggest that things like that of a supernatural nature were happening that God was aware of and yeah. he didn't do anything about. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of that that I'm very hesitant to say, yes, that that happened because, you know, even if we look at something like, to me, I think one of the worst examples of things like this would be in the first century where you had right. men and women that were demon-possessed. And, I mean, to completely lose all control of your faculties and to have something with an evil desire completely control you and and ultimately try to destroy you um you know but every time it seems that we come across that it's within the proximity of someone with divine power who can do something about it that's a really good point Um, you know and and um, does do something about it yeah it's yeah exactly exactly yeah it's it's never you never really we don't read Paul's letters to the churches about, you know, and for those that are demon possessed, you know, please send them to Jerusalem. So the apostles can lay their hands on them or or whatever it is, you know, that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, the only thing that we really have that's maybe like that is with the seven sons of Sceva. But even then, um, (laughs) I I don't think that that demon who beat them up, you know, uh, (laughs) got, uh, got away, you know, very, very far. So it's, it's always with the, with the intention of this is going to be dealt with, with someone who has been given a gift 
or like in the case of Jesus, who actually has divine power within him to demonstrate his control and his authority, even yeah, over that's a really powerful good point. spiritual I've, I've things. I've always thought that um, demon possession was oh. something allowed for Jesus, the apostles, to show that power, to prove to us, look, Satan can't do anything to you that God can't handle. Um, and one more thing, Nate, I'll just point this out as well. That comes to my mind about that Genesis 6 passage that indicates to me, I think, that it couldn't be angels. Is what Jesus says about humans in the resurrection. He says in the resurrection, we're like angels, uh, neither marrying nor given in marriage. It seems that angels, even though, again, contrary to popular culture, mm. angels, when they are described, are always males. If any gender is assigned, it's male, not never female. Um, and... Um, right. It seems that angels right. are asexual. Uh, and again, I don't want to get too far off on, on demons right now because we'll save that for a, for a future lesson. But I think that perfectly parallels with kind of, well, you know, the case of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, these two angels that God sends down to rescue them, they, they really kind of go out of their way to uh to really kind of let lot and his family go under their own strength right um aside from you know grab grabbing them but even then i mean they could have used because that's and i guess that's one of the things that we can kind of uh, transition into is how pretty strong, strong are um <laughs> pretty strong but it's interesting um and i and i'm gonna i'm gonna swing back to your, the, the question you wanted me to address originally uh, after I mentioned this. But one of the things that I hope we get to take a look at is Daniel 10, which sure. to me is absolutely a fascinating insight, kind of a, uh, a look behind the curtain of the spirit world um, where you've got an angel trying to get yes. to Daniel to help him out. And another, you know, wicked angel comes and gets in his way and they fight. And it's not till Michael shows up that, you know, that, that he's able to get through and, and help Daniel. So um, that's just, uh, that's one of those passages that you just wish that God would have said, I'm going to, I'm going to camp out here and give you about eight chapters of, of, of content on this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. More than just right. two or three verses. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let absolutely. me, uh, if I can, let me hit this. Uh, <laughs> and I think this probably, uh, once we yeah. get through with this point, I think to get at anything else will probably be a bit lengthy. So maybe with this, we want to wrap up. But so you, you asked a really interesting question, sure. Nate, when you were sending me some stuff to think about. Um, and that was, and you've hit this a little bit already, but does God need angels? And I love that question. Because what it gets into is why angels, right? What's the purpose of angels? Um, so to address, right. and I know that you know this, but to address that specific question, does God need angels? Of course, the Bible answer would be absolutely not because God doesn't need anything. Um, the Bible teaches the absolute self-sufficiency of God, that he needs nothing outside of himself. Um, I think a couple of things, uh, this is part of the meaning of God's statement about his name in Exodus 3 when he says, my name is, I am who I am. And that means eternity. Um, it means immutability. Mm -hmm. But I think it also means self-sufficiency. God says, I am who I am. I don't need anything. Uh, I, I've got everything I need. And right here, self-contained in, in, in me is everything that I need 
to to do everything that I need to do. I think another passage is Acts 17, 24 and 25, when Paul is preaching in, in Athens uh, and he says that God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Um, God doesn't need anything and he doesn't need the help of angels. And so if that's the case, then we have to look elsewhere as to why God would have created them, right? Why, if he didn't need them, why does, why did he create them? Why does he use them? And I think one thing that crops up in scripture is that very often God will do something strictly for our benefit not in any way because he needs it. Um, one passage I thought of was Hebrews 6, 17 and 18, where he talks about God interposing with an oath, God making a promise that by two immutable things uh, by which it is impossible for God to lie, we would have confidence. You know, God is not like people sometimes that God has to sign a contract to make sure that he'll carry through with his part of the bargain. You know, God isn't somebody that that has to, you know, spit in the palm of his hand and shake hands on it for us to be sure that God is going to do what he said. All God has to do is say, I'm going to do that and it's going to happen. But for our benefit, God gave an oath and he made a promise. And I think that angels are very similar. God did not create angels because he needed them. I think God created angels because in some way we needed them. Um, and so a couple of things come to mind about that. Um, part of the answer might be that that the purpose of God with angels is something that we can't fully understand either now or ever. Um, Colossians 1.20, to me, seems to kind of point to something bigger going on than what we normally think of. Colossians 1.20 says, through Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, to the Father, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And so he says that there is or is to be, or I don't understand it, but somehow there is to be this reconciliation of all things. And Nate, I think that that indicates that there are some things going on particularly in the spirit realm that you and I just know anything about um, mm -hmm. that God is, is up to something and doing something that's beyond what we see. And I think maybe when we get to heaven, we'll, you know, maybe that'll be open to us. Maybe not. Uh, but I think that, that maybe there's some purpose to angels that we can't really know, but <laughs> If, if I had to say something, and I don't, but none of us has to speculate, but a couple of things come to mind. That God created angels as interme intermediaries for our benefit. We know that no man can see God and live. We know that God has an absolute aversion to wickedness, and we are sinful people. So I wonder if God didn't create angels to kind of to kind of create a layer between himself and us, we can't see him, but we can see them. Um, God has this aversion to wickedness. His eyes are too pure to look on evil. So sometimes he deals with us through angels. Um, you know, I, I think about Moses in the book of Exodus, 
when God wanted to see Moses and God said, you can't see me, but I'll put you in a hole. I'll cover you up. I'll pass by you. And then I will let you see the residue of the glory of my being. All Moses could handle. And this is Moses who used to speak to God personally. All Moses could handle was basically an afterglow of God's presence. So I wonder, Nate, if God did not create angels to put almost a protective layer between himself and us so that he could deal with us and us still be able to to live and, and go on. But, you know, even at that, when angels show up to people, Nate, what, you know, what do they typically do? You know, they fall down and say, oh, man, I'm going to die. Right. So, oh, exactly. Exactly. They think. Yeah, they fall. So they I, I said I, I rambled on a little bit more than I need to there. But what do you think about that stuff, Nate? About the things we talked about? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, um, you know, one of the things in preparation for uh, this Job class that I'm doing, um, which is not a very um, lofty kind of. Uh, exploration but you know and looking at it because i'm trying to, to boil the book down to basically i'm calling it our story the story of humanity everybody suffers everybody goes through trials and it's it's innate of humans to be you know to say why 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 is this happening to me why have i been given this thing or why has this been taken away from me and we try to figure it out and cope with it and you know we're very early on in the, in the book, you know, I believe it's chapter one, verse six, we're introduced to the court of heaven and we have both good angels as well as Satan uh, coming right. and kind of, you know, right. not parading, but just kind of, yeah. you know, paying homage to God, kind of explaining what they've been doing. And to me, the heavenly realm, and, and again, you know, Paul talks about this a lot. It's in other passages as well, but there is a, a realm outside of the physical visual, you know, or even spectral, however, whatever technology allows us to be able to scan things, infrared and things like that. Beyond our technology, beyond our vision, there is a realm where things live, things exist, and there is warfare going on there. And it is for our attention, for our allegiance, for our obedience. And really, at the end of the day, it's God right. and Satan. Right. And they're not on equal terms. I'm not equating Satan to God, but those are the two choices. And I think the rest of the cosmos, the rest of these spiritual things are kind of watching as an attentive audience. And again, this is such a terrible analogy, but you want to talk about the most captivating reality TV. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. watching humanity and everything that we go through and God saying these people are going to find my word. They're going to learn who my son is. They're going to be obedient, and they're going to be obedient through everything that Satan does to them until death. <laughs> and on the other side, you have Satan, and he's like, no way. Watch what I'm going to do to them. And so all of the rest of the, the spiritual beings are watching this you know, almost silently, just you know, at the edge of their seat. They can't believe what's happening. And that's kind of what's happening to us in this existence is we are in a way kind of entertaining them, but showing them what what God had planned. Um, and I think you're exactly right, you know, in that that passage that you were uh, referring to a few times in Hebrews about them being ministering spirits for those who are going to inherit salvation. 
Um, if all God needed was an echo chamber to tell him how great he was and to stroke his that's ego, right. he wouldn't create right. us because that's what he's surrounded with perpetually. You know, whether it's, it's in Isaiah or in Daniel or Ezekiel or Revelation, that's what we see a- around the throne constantly are these beautiful and amazing and mind-boggling creatures that just – speak and sing and proclaim the glory of God over and over and over again. But again, if that's all he needed, then he didn't need us. And so there's something about us. And I think this is, this is not anything that we could ever crack in a a podcast or even a study, but there's something about us as humans. There's something about humans who have the capacity of being humble, of being able to hear the gospel, being able to be obedient to God and to deny themselves and try to be as close to his son as they can. There's something about that characteristic of that individual, man or woman, that God finds so attractive and so alluring that he is willing to not only send his son to die for our sins, but then to, to send these supernatural, powerful beings to come and to assist us in ways that we don't even know just for the benefit. That's of a really interesting point. And, and, and a couple of things came to mind. He's, it's kind of, it's unplanned. At least it was for me, but how it would kind of come back to what we started talking about. And that is that <laughs> as, as humans, sometimes we give undue attention, at least in my view, we give undue attention undue adoration and undue awe to angels but the point you you just made is really really important we're looking at the angels as though they were something super special but the angels are looking at us and and because of us praising god like paul talked about in ephesians 3 10 when he said the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. So that's people, that's human beings through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, the angel. And so the angels are looking at us and turning around and praising God. And and one other thing that came and came to mind was uh, what Peter says about, you know, that, that all that time that God was working through prophets, he was working through angels, bringing about Jesus, bringing about the gospel and he said it's been revealed to us, but it's these things into which angels long to look. And so we look at a passage like Daniel 10, or we look at a passage like Job 1 and 2, or we look at a passage like um, like Ezekiel 1, and we say, man, give me more info about angels. And for millennia, angels have been looking at what God is doing and saying, Give us more information about what you're doing for these humans and what it's about. It's just an amazing kind of different perspective to have on that. So I really, really appreciate that deep insight, Nate, that you have. I I love the way that you think and and how deeply and carefully that you think. and, uh, And I just think that's a great point.
Oh, well, no, this has been, this has been such a great study. And, and, and again, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're barely scratching the surface, but I know we are going a, a little long, so I apologize for that, but I'm so Me looking too, forward Nate, to, uh, had, to had, our next, uh, you know, uh, our next study on about, this one, You and I had talked <laughs> about, you know, talking about what do angels do, what's the relationship of humans with angels, uh, angels accepting worship. Those are kind of all on the agenda, Nate, when we get together again. And like I said, hopefully, um, and, uh, you know, love to get together and talk about Satan and demons. One of my favorite studies, um, that sounds a little twisted, doesn't it? But hopefully you know what I mean. But, um, anyway, yeah. so we'll, uh, whenever you're ready, we'll make that happen. So Nate, thanks again for having <laughs> me. I just enjoy it so much. Oh, absolutely. David. Sure. Absolutely. Every Monday to Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm on Facebook live on my Facebook uh, page, David Price. Uh, so they can find me there. Um, and then the Moorhead City Church of Christ Facebook page. We post our services, sermons and classes and things uh, also there. And so those are the two best places uh, to find me and uh, some of the teaching and some of the other stuff I got going on. So thanks for the opportunity to share that. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I'll plug again, just as David did, but uh, part of his um, semi-daily Bible studies through Colossians, he actually does go a little bit into this as well, too. So if you'd like I did, to have yeah, some supplemental we did about information, two or three I would definitely on refer that you and, to those uh, videos I appreciate as well. that, Nate. And uh, looking forward to doing it again, man.